Hey guys. Um, okay. <laughs> so before we begin, just want to kind of explain, this is a live reading of the first episode of a light novel series I've been writing with full scores um, at charlieinfinite.com. Kind of dawned on me that I have a podcast I have everything set up to do it, so maybe I should just give it a whirl. More importantly, I'm doing this also because it's helping me kind of fine-tune and rewrite these episodes as I progress. So this episode (laughs) will be episode one, and then I will continue doing this. So after this, obviously, next one, hopefully episode two. Note that the score is very similar to how it would work if you went to charlieinfinite.com, where the full score actually transitions as you go and read through the story. So when you go from chapter two to three, there are a large number of transition points that trigger to seamlessly transition into the next one. Um, So there you go. So without further ado... This is Charlie Infinite, Episode 1, Two Worlds. Story and score by T.C. Crosser, web developer Aaron Wong. Shit. Why does that coffee shop always take so fucking long? My boss is going to kill me. It doesn't matter. He'll be pissed no matter what I do. After a long weekend of letting loose, Katrina always dreads the typical antics of coming into work late, getting yelled at by her boss, and trying to figure out how to avoid him for the rest of the day. I'll just play dumb. Katrina performs a balancing act of holding her coffee cup, clutching her purse under her armpit, and massaging her Achilles tendon from the trauma inflicted by her high heel shoes. But worth it. Definitely worth it. If I have to hear what's up one more time, two worlds are thrust together and then torn apart. Fuck me, you'd think I'd get used to it by now, but nope. Okay, Katiana, take a beat, get a hold of yourself. Everything is incredibly fuzzy, bright, but fuzzy. Katiana can start to make out blobs of motion moving in and out of her field of view. After a couple of seconds, everything comes into focus. Groups of men and women in business attire hurriedly making their way to work. Eventually, Katiana is able to assess her surroundings. She looks out into a large square courtyard with a minimalist circular reflecting pool walled off by four large skyscrapers. The masses of people in power suits zigzag each other as they instinctively head off into their respective offices. Oh shit. Not again. Katiana starts to lose her balance from the awkward stance of rubbing the back of her foot, holding her purse, and balancing her coffee cup. Her instincts kick in and she immediately balances herself. Rufus. Never a simple, on the count of three, or let's fly. Nope. Just rips the band-aid off and away we go. And so here I am, with no goddamn notice, just having a conversation one minute and bam. She shades her eyes with her hand from the unfamiliarly bright sun and looks up in awe at the clear blue sky. Okay, mantra, you have already died. You were never born. 
Tatiana straightens her posture and asserts herself. Come on, Katrina, what did you wear this time? Don't disappoint. Katiana finds a reflection through a large mirrored window of one of the office buildings. She's a beautiful, tall woman in her late 20s, wearing a flattering, slim-fitted black dress with a red leather purse, and of course, black, sleek, high heel shoes. Ha! <laughs> Who am I kidding? You never disappoint. She turns her back to the window and checks herself out over her shoulder. She pivots to and fro. Her face becomes sullen for a moment. I'll never get over how much softer I look. But these high heels are fucking killing me. She checks out her black high heel shoes and notices the blood red shank that pops in contrast to the rest of her all black attire. Minus the fabulous red purse, of course. But definitely worth it. Okay, purse in my hand. Katiana fumbles trying to open her purse and then bursts into laughter. The fucking coffee. Jesus, I'm a mess. She takes a sip just as she's about to throw it in the trash, but stops after the taste. Damn, yep, this is what I was missing. Katiana takes one more indulgent taste before throwing the coffee cup in the bin nearby and continues digging around in her purse. Good. Now let's see. Paper. Where's the paper? She finds a crumpled cocktail napkin. She hurriedly unfolds it. She's in a rush, but she needs to remain calm. She takes a second to see what's written. The cocktail napkin is drunkenly scribbled on. Katiana needs to take a second to try and decipher what was written. Stephen. 212-645-2134. I guess it's a double damn day for you, Katrina. Stone owes me a drink, after all. Katiana continues to rifle through the purse. Doesn't matter. Jesus, there's so much shit in here. Ah, cigarette score. Wait, pen. Katiana grabs the pen and places the cocktail napkin on top of her purse. She bites off the pen cap and spits it to the ground. Okay, remember the symbol, write it down. Katiana illustrates ornate circular symbols with artisanal patience and craftsmanship. As she finishes her last stroke, she waits for something to happen, but it's just a wrinkled and stained cocktail napkin with circular illustrations on it. She takes a deep breath and meticulously draws a straight line through her illustrations. The black circular illustrations blaze in a brilliant blue glow. Katiana looks around. She knows she could hand this to anyone, but this is the fun part. It keeps it entertaining. Tilt my head back, toss my hair back. Mmm, now there's the one. Kevin's in his mid-thirties. He's sporting a tan suit, how edgy of him, and just made junior partner at his firm. As much as he tries to stay humble, he just can't help himself. Cause I'm taking my boys to the club tonight. Katiana grins at Kevin, and he becomes visibly aroused. Kevin stops dead in his tracks and stares at Katiana just a tad bit too long. He points to himself and mouths, me? Katiana giggles and motions him to come over with her index finger. Kevin attempts to swallow his initial shock and play it cool. A cocky grin covers his face as he makes his way towards her. 
like moths to a flame. That's right, buddy, I'm looking at you. She hands him the cocktail napkin and he immediately puts it in his pocket as he tries to say something. Before he can speak, Katiana seductively puts her index finger over his lips, leans in, and whispers in his ear, read it. Aroused and curious, Kevin pulls out the cocktail napkin, unfolds it. A blue glow illuminates his face. His head involuntarily cocks to the side. He tries to catch himself. His head cocks back and forth, almost instantly. Something's not right. Kevin's eyes dart back at Katiana with a desperate and confused look. Katiana looks back with sheer sociopathic joy. While standing in place, his body begins to convulse rapidly, faster and faster, until his entire body from head to toe twitches into a featureless blur. As if compelled by some invisible force, the featureless blur of Kevin slowly inches towards the center of the courtyard like a zombie. That's right, off you pop, Kevin. He bumps into unaware passers-by who in turn begin to convulse and rapidly twitch into featureless blurs. A domino effect of people in the courtyard violently twitching into featureless blurs and bumping into more people that also begin to twitch continues. The remaining unaffected people seem unfazed by what's occurring. Welp, my job's done. Katiana puts her cigarette to her mouth as she feels around Katrina's purse and pulls out a pink fuzzy glitter covered lighter. She lights her cigarette without the slightest sense of irony. The one perk of this gig, Katiana takes a long soothing drag. At least I won't be the one getting cancer. What the fuck does Rufus want now? Ryan was in a hurry to get to the courtyard. Typically, he doesn't head into the office until 10, but after a cryptic text message in the middle of the night from his boss, Ryan was in a rush. God, please don't let it be another stripper. It's like you think it's a good idea, but no. No, it's not. Rufus, a short man in his early 50s, is exiting Ryan's office building in a tailor-fit sharkskin suit. He's wearing circular tortoiseshell sunglasses. He makes his way towards Ryan with a manila envelope in his hand. Rufus, what the hell is going on? Is everything all right? Rufus approaches Ryan, hands him the manila envelope, and simply walks away. An envelope? Jesus Christ, what has he done? Ryan opens the manila envelope and starts to pull out a single page. What the fuck? Two worlds are thrust together and then torn apart. Okay. Repeat the mantra. The immediate sun forces Ryu's eyes closed. He remains in a zen-like state. You have already died. You were never born. After taking a moment, Ryu opens his eyes and uses the manila envelope to shade himself. He walks towards the reflecting pool in the middle of the courtyard and assesses his appearance in its reflection. Ryu sees an unshaven and unkept man with a wrinkled and dirty suit. He tries not to think about it, but there's a slight look of disdain on his face. He looks up and surveys his surroundings. Off in the distance, he sees a blurry figure bumping into the oblivious, cascading into more and more featureless blurs. They are slowly making their way towards the reflecting pool. It started. What's in my hand? Ryu inspects a manila envelope. Rufus is here. Look up. 
He sees Rufus at the very edge of the courtyard, observing everything with a slight smirk. There he is. Ryu nods as Rufus gives a half-assed salute with his index and middle finger and walks down a dark alley past the courtyard. We only have one shot. Ryu pulls out a single sheet of paper from the manila envelope. It is enshrined with ornate circular illustrations in black ink. He reaches into his side coat pocket for a pen. There's nothing there. He's agitated, but immediately calms himself. Where's Katiana? Ryu looks past the ever-growing mob of featureless blurs and spots Katiana on the far end of the courtyard smoking a cigarette. She's too far away. Where's Stone? Ryu methodically scans the courtyard looking for his other colleague. He doesn't see Stone or even Steven anywhere in sight. Fashionably late, I presume. Ryu looks at his left-hand middle finger. There's a slight hangnail, and without a moment's hesitation, he bites down and pulls on it, producing a small amount of blood. Just like in training. Ryu takes his middle finger and slowly drags a single downward stroke with his blood. The black inked circular illustration blazes into a brilliant blue glow. Red wisps of energy start to emanate from the piece of paper. He carefully lets go of the paper. As it slowly drifts downward, it transforms into an open, thick, leather-bound book with its pages unfurling rapidly. The book touches the ground with the lightness of a feather and an immense red shockwave bursts out. Ryu remains unfazed while his hair and clothing blow outward from the blast. The large crowd of twitching featureless blurs are attracted to the shockwave and begin to move towards him with a quickened pace. He takes a couple of steps back as the crowd forms a circular formation around the pool. What the fuck happened last night? Steven is running down a sidewalk approaching the courtyard. He checks his watch, and with about 200 feet left to go, he decides to make a mad sprint to the finish line. <sighs> I might as well push as hard as I can. I need to detox before spin class. The cougars will pick up on my scent, and then it'll all be over. Mondays, am I right? Steven chuckles to himself as he checks his heart rate. It's abnormally high. It feels like shit. I really need to stop blacking out. I vaguely remember running into Kelly. Or was it Kristen? I know it starts with a K. Hmm. In a sudden moment of clarity, with the clear blue sky and sun glistening off the sweat of his toned, rock-hard body, it dawns on him. Katrina. Two worlds are thrust together and then torn apart. And flash. Stone instantly falls to the ground on all fours. He's panting heavily. His heart is racing and he can't seem to catch his breath. He's gasping for air, nearly blacking out. This triggers an anxiety attack, flashing back to a different era, one where he's always running for his life, constantly in a state of fight or flight. Check yourself before you wreck yourself, buddy. That's what you get for being all cocky, shit talking, and showing off. Just take a deep breath in, and now a deep breath out. And now repeat. As long as it takes, we only have one shot. Stone is known for his theatrics, but he might have finally overdone it. As he looks down on the pavement, he stares at his incredibly ripped forearms and watches the beads of sweat stream down off his face onto the sidewalk. A wry grin covers his face. Fuck me, I love how fucking ripped Steven is. And, in turn, me. He slowly gets up and catches his breath. 
He feels his chest, then his arms. He starts to take his hands downward, but just before he crosses the equator, his watch starts beeping. Oh, buddy, saved by the bell, if only you knew. Stone checks his watch, turns off the alarm, and looks around for his reflection. Driver window, check. Stone gawks at his ripped body and tight-fitting tracksmith running gear. As he stretches and poses for himself in the driver window, he hears a couple of women giggle at him. Stone turns his head towards them and winks. The women blush and then make their way back to the work. Stone resumes looking at himself in the reflection of the window. Damn, girl, always putting me to shame. I really need to hit the gym. He surveys his surroundings. He's at the courtyard just as he'd trained for. At one end of the courtyard, he sees Katiana smoking a cigarette. A mob of featureless blurs are making their way to the center of the courtyard, growing exponentially in size. At the center of the courtyard, Stone sees Ryu pulling out a piece of paper from a manila envelope. And at the other end of the courtyard, he sees Rufus walking down the street. That little shit is off drinking again. Jesus, he really couldn't give two flying fox. Just then, reality sinks in and Stone grabs his head in agony. Ugh, I haven't had a hangover in ages. I really need to stop making bets with Katiana. When will I learn? Katiana doesn't make bets she can't win. A shockwave of red energy bursts out from the leather-bound book. Jesus Christ, I'm late. Ryu's gonna kill me. But when isn't he trying to kill me? Stone, you should be grateful you get to jump. Or, Stone, stop treating these bodies like toys. Or, Stone, did you eat my pudding again? Buddy, repeat the mantra. As Stone straightens his posture, he looks back at Katiana and grabs his head to feign agony. She replies with a simple wry grin and continues to smoke her cigarette. Stone chuckles to himself at the absurdity of it all. You have already died. You were never born. Rufus's mantra always feels so gauche. But who am I to judge? Anywho. Stone checks his phone. An image of ornate circular illustrations appear on his phone glowing a brilliant blue hue. Stone can feel himself changing from the inside. He knows what's coming, which means he only has one shot before he blacks out and his real mission begins. At least with Steven, I'm always in athleisure wear, and it looks like his extra progress has been paying off. Oh, the things I would do if I had more time with this. A switch flips, and Stone's demeanor changes. As he feels himself start to lose consciousness, he sees Ryu, who shoots back a look of annoyance. Stone puts every last ounce of free will into raising his middle finger at him. Stone's eyes turn gray, and then burst into a brilliant blue glow. In an instant, Stone's body stands fully erect and with his arms fully stretched out. Red wisps of energy trail over Stone's body with the speed of an invasive ivy plant. Stone levitates above the ground as he's engulfed in red vines and moves towards the center of the courtyard, hovering above the reflecting pool. The massive mob of featureless blurs circle around the pool with arms locked and emanating shockwaves of red energy. Hovering, Stone makes a fist and plunges to the ground with the force of God's might, releasing a massive shockwave. All of the water from the reflecting pool rushes out with the force of a tsunami, completely draining the pool. Ryu is soaked from head to toe, but remains in position, unfazed. This is the spot. 
Sylvia is sitting on a bench at the edge of the courtyard. She's sipping an iced coffee while checking her phone with a large backpack tucked securely under her arm. Phoebe Bridgers is blaring so loudly through her headphones that it keeps grabbing the attention of passers-by. They see a 20-something woman covered from neck to palm in sleeve tattoos wearing torn jeans and a black Misfits t-shirt. Sylvia glares back at the gawkers with a fuck you that forces them to immediately look away. She continues to look on with disdain as the people in their power suits and slim-fitted dresses go about their day completely oblivious. They have absolutely no care for anything outside the personal hells of their own design. I don't know, maybe Doc Brown is just being paranoid. There's no way they would be this crazy. But better safe than sorry, I suppose? Sylvia hears a distinct metallic tone. Right on time as usual, Lorraine. She takes off her headphones, puts on her backpack, and braces for impact. Two worlds are thrust together and then torn apart. And fuck me. Lorraine takes a moment to compose herself. She's a pro at this, but the disorienting transition is still a bitch after all these years. I'm getting too old for this shit. Mantra. Reflection. Breathe. Lorraine grabs onto a shopping cart filled with old and tattered grocery bags in front of her. It takes her a moment to acclimate to her frail figure here. You have already been born. You will never die. Lorraine pulls out a hand mirror from one of the many grocery bags in her cart. She holds the mirror up to her face and feels her wrinkled and leather-worn skin. Sympathy flashes across her face. I keep putting moisturizer in her cart, but does she use it? Well, why the fuck would she? I'm about to just write in Sharpie, use me or I'll haunt you. Through the reflection of the mirror, Lorraine spots Rufus off in the distance approaching a man with a manila envelope. The fuck is that cheeky bastard up to this time? Sylvia spots Lorraine, takes a deep breath, and walks up to her. Howdy, partner. Lorraine looks at her little punk rock protege with doting eyes and gives her a massive hug. She pushes Sylvia's long black hair back with her fingers as she gives her a once-over. Well, aren't you a sight for sore eyes, love? Sylvia deflects. They've been through a lot. I see you're still fighting to get Leanne to wear that expensive face cream. Lorraine puts her index finger to Sylvia's mouth and lets out a snort of a giggle and then points her finger up at the sky. What those asshats upstairs don't know won't kill them. I've lived way too long for all that bullshit, child. I'm just sorry they made you come all the way out here for nothing. Oh, if only that were the case, sweetheart. Check your four o'clock. Rufus is up to no good per usual. Sylvia discreetly turns her head. Rufus is down the street, saluting a man holding a manila envelope near the reflecting pool. Shit. Lorraine, I I'm so sorry. I should... There's absolutely no reason to beat yourself up. It comes with age. But more importantly, he's got someone I don't recognize, which means he's planning something larger than usual. I'm sure he's got Cat and Stone lurking nearby. Sylvia tries to keep herself alert and discreet, but always calm. It's different when you don't have an other. She slowly so surveys the courtyard and notices Katiana hand handing a blue glowing cocktail napkin to a businessman. You're six o'clock. Looks like Katiana's recruiting again, but I don't see Stone anywhere. 
Well, if His Royal Highness hasn't made an appearance yet, it means we're still early, which is good for us. Lorraine pulls out a grocery bag and empties it back into the shopping cart. A bunch of Ziploc baggies of pot come tumbling out. Sylvia snickers as she grabs her moleskin and pen. She starts to draw some circular illustrations onto a page. Lorraine simply shrugs and tears the empty grocery bag inside out, revealing ornate circular illustrations in black ink. She pulls out a pen and haphazardly draws a line through it. The illustrations on the grocery bag glow with a blazing blue hue. I'll never get over how quick you are with that. With age and too much practice, my love, and way too much bullshit. Sylvia completes her own freshly drawn illustration of circles and slowly and meticulously draws a line through it. The page glows with a ferocious red as she tears it out and hands it to Lorraine. See, you're already a pro. You make the mother in me proud. Sylvia blushes as Lorraine takes the page from Sylvia and takes a deep breath. Well, guess there's a reason they brought out the heavy artillery. Wish me luck and see you on the other side, pumpkin. Lorraine immediately stops herself. Before she can say anything, Sylvia puts her index finger to Lorraine's lips. Lorraine mouths sorry and resigns herself. Lorraine slams Sylvia's page onto her grocery bag and a mix of blue and red waves of energy vine their way all over Lorraine's body. The energy surrounding Lorraine becomes a hardened barrier. Ryu's shockwave blasts through with no effect on Lorraine. Sylvia is thrown back onto a nearby bench. Lorraine turns around and starts to make her way to the center of the courtyard. As she does, Sylvia starts to get back up and see Stone levitating in the same direction. Lorraine, look out! Lorraine starts to pick up speed and looks back at Sylvia. Get ready for a big surprise! She gives Sylvia a wink and thrusts herself directly at Stone. Are you seeing this? Charlie is trying to get the attention of a middle-aged woman in a yellow tailor-fit power suit and precision haircut. She's confidently strutting to her high-rise office in matching yellow Manolo Blahnik high heel shoes. Let's call her Karen for the sake of argument. Karen turns to see a disheveled man in his late 20s, sporting a five o'clock shadow, torn jeans, and an equally dilapidated black zero skateboard t-shirt bearing a white skull insignia. She stops and stares at Charlie with a look of annoyance. Karen motions around her as if to ask but not have the dignity to verbalize, what, see what exactly? Charlie quickly realizes in that moment the truth. Okay, so an elderly woman who might or might not be my pot dealer is shrouded in red light and just hurled herself through a tsunami shockwave coming out from a reflecting pool created by an incredibly fit and handsome, I might add, man levitating in the middle of said pool. The tsunami rushes through Charlie and Karen, yet neither of them are wet. Hmm, let's table that for a moment. And let's not forget there's an entire army of featureless blurs of zombies holding hands in a circle around said pool, and they are either sending out some form of energy or are feeding off said energy. I haven't really had a chance to think that far ahead yet. It's a lot to process, and it appears Karen is still waiting for an answer since Charlie inconvenienced her busy morning. The overeducated underachiever gives Karen a wry grin and simply says, Eat the rich, am I right? 
Karen assumes this miscreant is just another protester for another random cause she simply does not have time to care about. She scoffs and powers away. Man, I know graveyard shifts can make you see shit, but this, this is a whole new frontier. I really need to stop smoking pot on my breaks. Maybe, just maybe, I'm not smoking enough. Charlie stands in place contemplating whether he should make his way to his favorite watering hole for the morning nightclub, Cap, or if he should continue to watch the hallucinogenic antics unfold and eventually cease in some form of, hopefully, logical conclusion. Like, you can't make this shit up. But who the fuck would believe me anyway? I mean, I ain't gonna kick it out of bed, but Jesus, take the wheel. Out of the corner of his eye, Charlie sees Sylvia also watching the display from about 10 yards away. Wasn't she already involved with the old lady who's probably my pot dealer? Is she just a figment of my imagination as well? Charlie continues to monitor the head-to-toe tatted punk. Sylvia notices Charlie gawking at her. She puts her index finger to her lips with a hush. Yup, clearly another part of this grand mal seizure. Best if I keep my distance. God only knows what's actually happening outside my fucked up cortex. Best case is just some really bad form of LARPing, and worst case, I'm buck-ass naked tripping balls right now. Or both? Part of me really hopes it's the latter. As soon as Lorraine bursts through the tsunami wall of water, she tackles stone to the ground of the empty reflecting pool. Not today, princess. Stone's eyes fade to a glowing gray. You can hear, off in the distance, the splash of water hitting the courtyard pavement. The energy emanating from Lorraine and Stone dissipates. It's just a little old lady laying on top of an incredibly fit gay man. Stone's eyes turn from gray to the magnificent, but not glowing, blue he is of course known for. As he regains consciousness, he lets out a gasp. He looks up to find Lorraine on top of him, pinning him to the ground. Oh my god, get off of me. Lorraine rolls off of him and onto her back, panting for air. She tilts her head over to stone. Both of them are too exhausted to make any sudden movements. Is that the best you got, honey? Charlie throws his arms up in the air as if he has the ability to stop time. Wait, 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 wait. Fuck me. That, that is Leanne, and did she just call him a princess? That is pretty br- on brand for her, I suppose. And I mean, he's way too hot and fit to be straight, I guess. Yeah, okay, makes sense to me. Charlie puts his hand, arms back down and continues to watch, satisfied with his musings. Okay, you can continue. Stone and Lorraine are still trying to catch their breath. Jesus, Lorraine, at least buy a lady a drink first. Think of this as payback for Cincinnati. Stone looks off in the distance, reminiscing of a time when they were both on the same side and it really was just a divide between the Hicks and the elites. But before he can reminisce any further, he realizes the circle of featureless blurs are still twitching and Mew's leather bound book is still glowing with the same intensity. Soaking wet, Ryu takes off his disheveled jacket, rolls up his sleeves, and thrusts his hand directly into the radiating book. Rufus prepared Ryu with a plan B if all else failed. A 
blast of energy rushes out of the book and Ryu pulls out a bowling ball of radiating red energy. Sylvia is frozen at the sight and can only muster the strength to yell out to Lorraine. Lorraine! Ryu takes the bowling ball and with the form of a shot put, hurls the mass of radiating red directly at Lorraine and Stone. When all else fails, kill it. As the orb flies through the air, it exponentially grows in size, hurtling closer and closer towards Lorraine and Stone. Oh, fuck me. Stone curls into the fetal position and waits for impact, but before the giant orb strikes, Lorraine rolls over onto all fours and opens her mouth. The massive orb seems to slow down and stop mid-air as Lorraine's mouth keeps opening wider and wider. Her mouth grows to the point where she can't recognize her outstretched, you can't recognize her outstretched face, and all you see is a mouth stretching to cover the entire size of the bus-sized ball. Lorraine swallows the orb as a snake would swallow an egg. Stone starts impulsively retching. Oh God, no, 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 no. I, I think I'm gonna be sick. Everyone freezes in place as they watch the glowing mass slowly shrink and move through Lorraine's unhinged jaw into her esophagus and finally to nothing as it plops down into her stomach. The skin on Lorraine's face slowly shrinks back into place and a loud crack is heard as her jaw snaps back into place with her head returning to normal. Sylvia's look of dread has dissolved into utter confusion. Lorraine stands up and looks over at Sylvia. With all the shit I've seen, I wouldn't expect this. I need a raise. Or a vacation. Or both. I don't know. I mean, come on, man. It becomes so quiet with everyone in such shock that a slight grumble can be heard from Lorraine's stomach. She covers her mouth as she lets out a quiet burp. At first, everything feels fine, but Lorraine ponders. There's no fucking way it was this easy. Rufus doesn't throw softballs. What the unbridled hell? Lorraine feels a pinch in her stomach followed by a louder grumble. Lorraine clutches her stomach and bends over. Oh, for fuck's sake, man. She recognizes this play. What a prick. She needs to warn Sylvia to brace for impact, but there just isn't enough time. Oh shit, here it comes. Lorraine reflexively straightens out and her head immediately cocks up to the sky as she opens her mouth. A blinding white beam shoots straight out of her mouth as a massive red and blue shockwave burst outward. The force hurdles everyone backward. Reality itself begins to warp, as if time itself never existed. And not just because all of this is really fucking weird. Charlie is flung back and in mid-air can feel every atom within his body being torn asunder. What the fuck? He begins to lose consciousness as his very existence melts into the shockwave that grows in size and speed as it spans the entire city block. It engulfs all of Manhattan, the state of New York, the North American continent, the world is engulfed in a deafening white light. And just like that, everything returns to normal. The minimalist circular reflecting pool is again full of motionless water. 
It's the literal definition of a reflecting pool. If you ever thought to yourself, gee, why do they call it a reflecting pool? This would be the image that would explain it. The large square courtyard surrounded by the four large skyscrapers is once again filled with corporate types zigzagging each other as they instinctively head off into their respective offices. What the actual fuck? In a stoned awe, Charlie is standing motionless as his eyes dart around. Well, we're not in Kansas anymore, are we, Toto? Passerby sneers at the out-of-place slacker talking to himself. Look, lady, if you saw what I just saw, you'd be talking to yourself too. Startled, she immediately grabs her phone pretending Charlie doesn't exist. Before Charlie has a chance to make a witty retort, he sees Katrina kicking up her heel with her coffee cup and purse in hand. She gets the attention of a couple of men who not so subtly watch her. Ryan looks over the manila envelope as he walks towards his office building. Stone is running in place as he checks his heart rate. And you were there, and you were there, and even you were there. I really am losing it this time. Jesus, I need a drink. Sylvia has been paying close attention to Charlie this entire time with his back turned towards her. She walks up to Charlie and bumps into him pricking his neck neck with her right hand middle finger as she passes. The feeling of a syringe needle plunging into his neck shocks Charlie back into reality. He instinctively slaps his hand where she pricked him. Charlie looks over and sees Sylvia who curtly turns her head and winks at him as she continues and disappears into the masses of crisscrossing business people. Charlie looks at his hand expecting blood but sees nothing. Crazy bitch. With an exasperated breath, he shakes it all off as a delirious daydream and walks away. Now, about that drink. 